0: Another episode of the no idea group podcast and i'm joined by harry
1: hello and sam hello
0: and i'm josh um, and yeah we've got a bunch of well it's a no idea podcast but we've got a bunch of ideas about john wick this week um i feel like the only person that can really introduce this topic out of the three of us is harry because you sort of live and breathe keanu reeves don't you
2: I certainly do. So um I mean, you
0: know. We'll we'll get into that bit, but what what what's John Wick, Harry?
2: John Wick is the best action trilogy ever made. <laughs> That's my opinion on it. Um, it is definitely my favorite action film. I'd say the third one, it gets better as it goes on, but John Wick is a hitman that works for a hitman organization, underground organization. Um and he's retired, and he's basically getting revenge on all these other people in this organization um, after the death of his wife. It's not a spoiler, it's just his character. His, it's uh, It starts off with one little thing after the other, and people keep dragging him back into it, but he's known as this elite hitman, which everyone is terrified of, and he's got the nickname the Boogeyman because he's the person that you would hire to kill the Boogeyman, so it's kind of like an irony sort of thing. It's Yeah, there's not much else to say. I don't without ruining the films if people haven't seen it, but it's it is spectacular. The choreography, the the direction, the action is just fantastic. It's not like anything I've ever seen. I know specifically which I'll talk about later. Keanu Reeves trained in—I mean, he's trained in lots of martial arts anyway, but specifically he did some hardcore training in three different variations of martial arts, specifically jujitsu, for this for these films. And I know they're working on the fourth one as well. So. Yeah, that's basically
0: it. Is this, this a good one. time for me to say that I've never seen these films?
2: If <laughs> you are not? <laughs> no. Oh my God. You have to do that straight after this podcast. You're going to have to go see
0: it. Like... I, I, you know what it is? I, I, I've been meaning to watch them for such a long ass time. And especially like when we've been talking about it recently, I've just been like, I am going to put some time aside and watch John Wick. But I'm rubbish at watching films. TV shows like watch all day, but I, I'm so bad for watching films. But uh, I will watch them. I'm gonna have you to because to. Uh, yes. I'm gonna talk about something related to them today. Hopefully, so probably for the best that I actually watch this film as well.
2: There's actually one thing I'd say that people I think may misunderstand why it's different to every other action film it's, it's not meant to be like the typical, like indestructible man where he does these all impossible illogical things like he he gets shot he gets stabbed he gets beaten like in so many ways but I think the whole point of it is that he endures like all this pain and suffering I mean he's getting attacked by all these different hitmen and different people that are after him but he just takes it and takes it and takes it and he's still standing, he still gets back up. And it it does, even though you know that he's he's um you know, he's the main protagonist, he's not gonna die and stuff, but it, it the direction of choreography convinces you, like it puts you on the edge of your seat, thinking that like any moment he's just gonna get stabbed in the face because it's that like close quarters and he's like struggling with these people. And they do, they 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 stab him in the leg, they stab him in the arm, and you're thinking like, How's he gonna get out of this? It's probably like it's nervous like racking. It makes you sweat and feels tense and it sounds like it's, you that.
0: Uh, it sounds like quite the relatable character i often worry about being stabbed in the face <laughs> it,
2: so. yeah i also feel that i think that's it's the relatable thing definitely especially the third one the third one puts you on the edge you see thinking like fuck because you you feel like he's just gonna get killed like because it's that intense it's not it's not a typical action film where you're like, yeah, okay, he's gonna he's gonna jump, kick that guy in the face, he's gonna dive in, in the through the car window and jump off the bridge and he's gonna be fine. It's it's not like typical and you could sit back and relax. It's it is you are immersed in it. And I think I think the biggest part of it is the camera work. The, the way the angles are with the camera. There's this one thing, the third one, it's like just one shot. Like the camera doesn't move and you just it feels like you just stood there in the corner like watching these people beat the shit out of each other and you're like fuck <laughs> it it really is like that it's it's brilliantly directed but um it's definitely worth a watch definitely it's it's fantastic there's no other action film like it
0: yeah i i, I do need to watch it as i say it's, it's something i've been meaning to watch for too long so i you've seen them haven't you Sam
1: yeah, yeah i have indeed
0: what do you think of them
1: I think they're excellent as well. I think they are probably one of the best action films to this present day, from what I've seen. I don't think you can compare it to the likes of like James Bond, because it is kind of nitty gritty. And like I say, James Bond feels invincible when he's watching those films and he's pulling off these mad stunts and explosions. But yeah, it's kind of it's got all these amazing like fighting techniques that uh, obviously Keanu Reeves trains in and. Puts them all to action, and it's just the, the fighting in it. The fight scenes are just the most realistic kind of things you'd see, like yeah, yeah. out on
2: the street. It's just it's really done well. That's how. Yeah. So sort of like it's it's today. no one's denying the fact it's very impractical. Someone can be as well trained and like as John Wick, like like that can take on. I think his body counts like over a hundred after all three films, and it's impractical. The whole situation is a dystopian, but. It's it's like Sam says. It's the fighting techniques used in the film are all well thought out. You can tell the people that he's he's fighting against aren't just random extras he's throwing around, and they are specialists, and he's been trained by experts. Do the proper, the proper like jujitsu, krav maga. There's like so much into it that's really thought out, and you can see it. And it's also think- like
1: the bad guys have been directed to go literally beat the shit out of John Wick as best as you can. Know. <laughs> John Wick's <laughs> gonna try his best to just defend them.
2: <laughs> that's basically yeah because he does he gets he gets punched and gets thrown down and people do get the best of him and he just learns he learns where the weaknesses are and it's the point is that he takes the hits he, he gets punched three times in the face but as soon as he manages to punch them they're, they're out for the count it's things like that where he learned he can take a lot because he does he gets he ends up getting shot and shit. And you're just like what the fuck? And he's like limping like dying you're like mate just stay down just stay mad you're done <laughs> you're done <laughs> So it it is brilliant. I hope you're just gonna go away now, Josh, and just randomly watch all three. <laughs>
0: well, I, I would, but we've we've got this podcast to record, and That's true. it's a whole thing. Um, but I will. <laughs> I will maybe afterwards. Pro- probably not. I'll I will at some point in the near future, though. I've uh I've got time coming up. I'll I'll make I'll make some John Wick time out of that. I need to, because so, you know I lo- I love me some Keanu. It's not, there's not a Keanu yeah. film I've not enjoyed. Exactly.
1: You come out of watching it going, you, you kill my dog.
0: <laughs> well, my <laughs> dog. on the subject of dogs, right? So that is pretty much the only thing I know about John Wick, because I guess it's like kind of a meme or something like, you kill my dog, as you say, which got me looking into dogs. Um, and I'm going to totally use you bringing that up as a little segue into talking about my topic first. So it's just the way we're doing this now. I mean I'm, I'm in I'm in charge. I'm I'm John Wicking it. Like, is that a thing? Can I say that? it is now.
2: Yeah, there's it a is thing for this podcast. Sure. <laughs> we're John Wicking it. We're John
0: Wicking it. So yeah, like as I said, the only thing I really knew about the film was that he was very upset about someone putting the hurt on his dog. I don't know what the dog is I assume it's lovely, as all dogs are, and I'm sure it was a very good boy, as all dogs it's a beagle. are. <laughs> Look, of it's a beagle. Of so, course beagle. Of course it is. Oh. <laughs> So yeah, I started looking at dogs, and um, you know, I I quite enjoyed doing looking at dogs because dogs are fantastic. I don't currently own a dog, and I know that you guys don't either, through the power of knowing you. In fact, we've all got cats, (laughs) which is pretty great. You know, going to talk about dogs and how wonderful they are, and all three of us have cats. (laughs) But. I'll, I'll put this to a question rather than anything else. How many years ago do you think the first dog was domesticated by human beings or what would become human beings?
2: How many years ago?
0: Yeah. Ballpark.
2: Can it. I give you. Oh, uh, domesticated?
3: Yeah.
2: It would have been working dogs for uh, most of the time. Dogs would be used for hunting, farming. Um, I'm thinking. But I know it's going to be in. It's going to be. Earlier than early 20th century, I think. I remember... Way earlier. um, Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say 18th century, 1700s.
1: Okay. Sam? I'm going to say, I don't know, up to like 10,000 years ago. You're closer. Wow. (laughs) 33,000 years ago is when we
0: reckon the first dogs were domesticated.
2: That's mad, don't they?
0: Yeah. Humans and dogs have shared an evolutionary path pretty much since humans and when i say humans i don't mean in the modern sense of humans you're talking sort of like you know with say three thousand years ago uh, modern modern humans as we are now are roughly only about ten thousand years old or 2000 depending on who you ask i guess but yeah we've um we've been using and domesticating dogs and letting dogs into our homes for pretty much our entire history and when i say our entire history i mean our evolutionary history which is mad. And that is pretty mad. We've evolved. This is something really cool I found out as well. So we've evolved with dogs throughout all that time. You know, we're going on a time scale of about thirty-three thousand years. The average human lifespan is a hundred years. So anything beyond that starts to get a little bit wobbly in terms of our perception. in in fact i would go as far as saying like we can't really grasp how long a time 50 years actually is so never mind 100 and never mind thirty three thousand. so it's a hell of a long time and one of the things that we share with dogs is a hormone and when we're together with a dog so you know if you um are giving a dog some fusses or pats on the head or telling a dog how good a boy they are um you're releasing the same hormone As the dog is in that moment and it's a hormone that makes you sort of feel happiness and joy and want to feel protective and as i say we share that hormone with dogs and we release it when dogs are around us and dogs release it when they're around us so ultimately what it means is that this chemical reaction going on in our bodies means that we feel loving and protective of dogs in the same way that dogs feel loving and protective of us and as well as that, because of that, like evolutionary history that we've got with the animals, they can understand human motion. I mean, we all know that um, comfort animals and things like that exist. Um, you know, you, you've got dogs leading the blind, dogs are used as service animals quite extensively. Um, that is arguably why we first started domesticating them, because as you mentioned, Harry, you know, they're good at hunting, tracking the sort of smaller breeds and like the more. Like the faster breeds are good at uh, nimming at the heels of livestock and helping out with the herding and things like that. But yeah, we can understand a dog. And a dog has, a, when I say an understanding of human emotion, I don't mean on the same level that we do, because obviously we're different species and we've got very different brains and everything else. Like a dog's not going to understand when someone says they're feeling morose, what that actually means. But a dog can pick up on, you know, hormone signals that humans are putting out. And I if you're feeling a story I've got actually about this um so my partner had an operation a year or two ago and uh, my mum's got all of the dogs. and um, she was staying at my mum's house because I was w- at work the day of her operation. So my mum let my partner stay at her house after her operation and stuff. And my partner just described that she was just surrounded by dogs who were just there like keeping an eye on her. You know, giving her a bit of a cuddle and, you know, making sure she was all right, basically. And it's that protective thing. And they can understand when a human's sort of not quite right or is in pain or feeling sad. And it's or when one of the.
1: Carrying cocaine.
0: Well, yeah, you know, like, exactly. Yeah, when, when they're carrying illicit substances. But it's one of the things that sort of, you know, why dogs are so useful in storytelling as well. If you want a protagonist to be the protagonist, or if you want someone to come across as a good guy, give them a dog. It's the simplest trick in the book, like or on screen or whatever you want to call it. You want someone to root for a character in your story, give them a dog. Bonus points if something bad happens to that dog, because then you're really, really going to be rooting for that. And my understanding is like John Wick's not exactly like your go-to good guy. But what does that, I mean, I knew about it. I've not even seen the films, and I knew about the dog thing, you know. And it mm-hmm. it, it was all of five minutes before it was brought up that he's got a dog, when we were talking about it just before as well. They're just because of that sort of shared evolutionary history that we've got with them, and how important dogs are to us as a species. Like, yeah, it's a really good storytelling device to help to get someone to care and want that character to win if they're seen being good to a dog.
1: Which is uh, all within uh, five minutes as well.
0: Wow, <laughs> that's that's emotional whiplash. I don't know if I'm well. ready
1: for that. Well, the first, yeah, it kind of it gets it over with, I guess. The initial plot, yeah. Of that, so mm-hmm. yeah, it
2: moves on to main, the main. My main biggest,
1: basically
0: my biggest takeaway from all of this is that you know when you get people like, you a dog person, you a cat person. I don't really like dogs. You're a liar. Actually, you do like dogs. You're you're evolutionary wired to like dogs. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there's no such thing as a dog person or a cat person. Turns out animals are good, and we should love them all, (laughs) mainly dogs because that's just what humans do. Um, Gonna Egyptian... take
1: away any message today from the podcast? <laughs> Love animals, yeah, right. <laughs> like you're designed to do, like you're supposed <laughs> to, <if> you're weirdo.
0: <laughs> you know, it's, it's and I think it's you know you could start going down all sorts of rabbit holes with this. Really, you know, you've got these absolute pieces of shit, right, that abuse animals and all that kind of thing, right, and they're obviously wrong in the head, but not just like in a standard, like, oh, that guy's a little bit fucked up, you know? I mean, they're evolutionary wrong. Like hurting a dog is going against what makes you a human being. That's how sort of connected to these animals we actually are. And it's really cool because dogs are brilliant. And I just, I I feel kind of like, just having a quick look into all of this as a result of, you know, oh, we're going to be discussing John Wick. Well, I knew John Wick has a dog. Let's find out more about dogs. I just think it's really cool that we've got this sort of intertwined evolutionary history with this creature. I'm not going to get into crufts and pedigree and things like that. We could thank the British for that, though. Bunch of pricks. Um, A nice bit of research, actually, for a change instead of, you know, oh, um, this is... Really depressing philosophy
3: <laughs> to think about,
0: um, but yeah, I just I just thought it was quite cool. And as I say, like the storytelling device thing, really sort of it's it's used to good effect, I'm sure, in John Wick, and it's used to good effect in lots of films. The other big example of this uh, that comes to mind is the film I Am Legend. I mean, yeah. I understand that Will Smith was in that film, but I was all about the German Shepherd. <laughs> you know, I was
1: going to say the Revenant as well. I haven't seen it, but. Um
2: doesn't uh i was gonna
0: say orlando bloom doesn't um oscar winner orlando bloom just Uh,
2: just just to clarify sorry sam just quickly when we were referring about domesticating dogs i should have asked definition wise like it makes more sense now that we've been domesticated with animals like with dogs for that long i was looking at it from a different perspective i was looking at it since we've referred to them as pets so that's that's a different question do we know how long we've actually used them as pets because domesticating an animal and using them as a household pet like we do now yeah um yeah it's a it'd be a different time so not really
0: not from what i understand um when we domesticated them it was primarily for work reasons you know Mm -hmm. helping out with hunting and things like that but it wasn't long thereafter um, you're still in the ballpark of like 30,000 to 33,000 years ago that we started letting dogs into our home and treating them as like part of the family.
2: That's yeah, bizarre, cause, Well, it certainly wouldn't be common um, because there's not a lot of people that would have domestic pets in their house even fifty hundred years ago, really. It's not I, I, I think it, it depends today.
0: on where you're looking at because that might be that might have been true in well no i can't necessarily say it. it would be true in victorian england because victorian england is where we got uh the pedigree system for different breeds from you know like mm-hmm. even in the time of child labor and things like that if you were rich then you were rich enough to come up with a fucking pedigree system for all these different breeds and start judging them at crufts and things like that you know so there might be lulls at points in human history where dogs have become less commonplace in the home, but you know, by and large, we've domesticated and kept them as pets since you know we start we first learned what those things meant, basically. Um, yeah. And I mean, those dogs as well—you've got to remember—were very, very different to the dogs we see today. They were, you know, they were wolves. They were small wolves at the time, mm-hmm. but. And o- overall, like the sort of tens of thousands of years that have happened between then and now as well, those sort of breeds just flat out will not exist anymore because we we breed dogs for desirable traits, just like we do cats. We look for, you know, more submissive traits. We look for more childlike traits because of that protective thing that we've got going on with dogs. And as we've moved away from, you know, the world is trying to kill us to we are trying to kill the world. Um, What's desirable in a pet or a companion or whatever else has changed with that. But yeah, insofar as my understanding goes, like we've been keeping dogs as part of the family for as long as we've been domesticating them, plus or minus a few years.
2: Fair enough. That's interesting then.
0: Yeah. I might be wrong. Uh, I mean, you know, as with all things on this, this is just sort of cool, interesting stuff that I've found. Um, I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that. I've got the scientific backing for all of this stuff that I'm saying, and it might be that I'm completely wrong. Um, this is just from the research I was doing into it. no one no one person's research is accurate, obviously yeah, I just I just thought it was quite cool and I mean my biggest point, I suppose, really is just how big an effect dogs have on us as a species to the point where yeah. we use them as a cheap trick in
2: stories <laughs> <laughs> to, make, to simplify that there is nothing more pure and innocent is a dog it's just pure bliss it is one of the most i mean animals you know in general are purely innocent like you know i've got i've got i've got time and effort for all animals but dogs are just something they are just pure bliss they are just happy they make you yeah. happy just to see them it's I mean, hard
0: it's hard to be in a bad mood if you've got a dog with you when you
2: Yeah, definitely. I would always put a dog first. I I think this this is one of the biggest mistakes people make, owning a dog. I've grown up with dogs. I've had six colleagues in my life. My mum's currently got four. And it's, although I'm a cat person, me and Caitlin always talk about having a dog. But it's one of those things where it's like people forget how much responsibility it is to have a dog. And it would be so unfair to have a dog when we're both in full-time work. And people always forget that such simple thing. Otherwise, we'd have loads. We'd have loads of dogs if we had the room if we didn't have a cat as well which we felt that would be uncomfortable but see that it would be.
0: that's that's right cuz like i've got a cat as well and we've wanted a dog for ages now and we keep like thinking oh we could get one we could get this breed or oh you know there's so many like different like oh yeah. we really really want a dog and the first argument and the sort of last argument as well is but what would the cat think <laughs> you know <laughs> You're right. Like we do, put animals first. You know, it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. how much like I might really want a dog. What would the cat think? Is the thing stopping me from doing like from getting a dog? Which is you
1: know, it's mad. Yeah, that's always going to be uh, not very pleasant in the first week or two if you bring a new pet into the family, regardless if it's a dog or a cat. I remember that's true. That is true my patches was not happy when we first brought our second cat into the family but (laughs) she took about a month to really grow to her so
0: Millie doesn't even like it when another human comes into the house like what hope do we have of her? she stands on the stairs and gives people evil eyes whenever they come in it's great she's not had to do that for a while thanks to Covid stopping people at the front door but (laughs) I
2: I know the fact is if we brought a dog in in the house one day and when we do Magnus is just going to be wide-eyed sat there just like what the fuck is that thing. He's looking at you Bob, like
3: you're <laughs>
2: like, Yeah, and he'll be like looking at us like what have you done what have you brought home. And it's going to be the most cheerful thing and love it will as as you know dogs have personalities they are loving and caring no matter what and I I know he's just going to be all over the cat and the cat's going to be very the cat's territorial he doesn't he whinges if you pick him up. If the dog's gonna try and get cuddles and that and snuggling with the cat, he's gonna be just walk off. He's just gonna freak out and just be looking at it like, "What the hell are you doing?" But we know one day, like you think, it's, it's, it's like you say, Sam. It's the the cat would need a warm up to the dog, and eventually we will do it when it's the right time. But I think people just randomly buy dogs because they want one as an accessory. Like instead of putting the dog first, is this the right thing for the dog? You know? Yeah. And we always think about that when we have when we think think a lot of people buy
1: animals out of guilt as well feel sorry for them maybe they're in a bad place and even though they're kind of in no place to look after them themselves they'll still kind of want to
2: take And i understand that i think understand that like sometimes you've got you've got to rough it up if you're doing it to to better the life of the dog that's fair enough i guess um but that doesn't necessarily always mean that you have to take the responsibility yourself There's the shelters and you know charities that you can give animals too, to make them happier and better if they're, if they're lost or you know neglected um but yeah I think I think when people just get a dog or a cat for the sake of it it's it can be a bit frustrating to see because it that the only priority should be the animals happiness comfortableness as well so you know, you don't
0: what I will say is if you're listening to this and thinking about getting a dog but you can't get a dog because you live in the 21st century and you can barely look after yourself. <laughs> chuck a couple of quid at Battersea Dog Home. It's great. Just chuck a couple of quid at Battersea. be all right. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I, I hope talking about dogs has made everyone smile because they're brilliant.
1: I have a yeah. feeling I know what Harry's topic is already. Come on then. Ooh. It's going to be martial arts. Obviously. <laughs> What's your topic? Uh, my topic is action movie music. Oh, um, how about we go on that? You want to go on that? I'm um, yeah. I'm into that. Yeah, let's let's
0: talk about some
1: tunes. Well, <laughs> let's talk about some tunes. First, kind of thing is kind of like how action movie is being inspired, uh, and how it's progressed through action films we used to get, even in the night, like. 20th century to what it is now it's just a massive change I feel in such a short space of time not massive but very noticeable particularly to mm-hmm. me for example like you take action films like The Italian Job and uh, Indiana Jones and James Bond and what kind of thing do they all have in common they
2: all have a theme song you recognise oh, yeah. them films from the theme song can um, I just say James Bond, in my personal opinion, I think that's got one of the best written compositions in history for cinema. It's one of the best theme tunes ever. If you think about it, there is like four parts to that composition, which is recognizable.
3: Oh, yeah. As soon as you play
2: it, it, you know it's James Bond. But there's like four sections of it, which is like the hook, which is just unbelievable. No other composition has got that. Well, that I know of. And I just think it's one of the best, most brilliantly written music pieces yeah. in history it's amazing it become
1: iconic for the film and the genre of mm-hmm. i mean how long's james bond been going on now and it still uses that same composition throughout yeah. people recognize or... it's, wouldn't it
0: it's not even just sort of the james bond thing though like it it evokes that feeling of sort of like british spies and you know all that nonsense like oh, that's
2: nostalgic isn't it
0: yeah it's it's yeah. sort of like um, it's very 60s and yet manages to remain modern throughout
2: yeah it's 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 brilliant because it is it's it's um it has no time isn't it it's, it's timeless i mean yeah, it's so. funny
0: that you said that the one thing that those films all have in common is uh, the theme songs my mind immediately went white blokes but
2: <laughs> <laughs> like males yeah,
0: yeah. white blokes Indian. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's indiana jones italian james punk on, on come on white blokes <laughs> as far as the eye can see White cast, yeah, definitely.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Right, anyway, carry on, Sam.
1: Yeah, and I feel like as times kind of moved on, we kind of move away from these kind of theme songs because they might come across in action films these days as kind of like corny or cheesy. Like John Wick doesn't you have like a theme song? You wouldn't recognize a John Wick film based on a theme song. Like, it probably would if John Wick was released maybe in the 80s or the 90s, where they mm-hmm. definitely have exaggerated sounds is another thing for, like, fighting scenes, where in the old 80s films, you'd hear, like, a <laughs> or, like, a punch, and it's just, like, ooh, it's a bit cheesy now. Interspersed
0: with Arnie going, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, I was kind of going into where, like, where did these theme songs start to get used for, like, action films? And I feel like in more recent times, there would I, I don't feel like it's been a long going on thing, because I know film hasn't been around for like hundreds and hundreds of years. But I feel like, and you had silent films, of course, as well, where they would only use music, which is another topic. I feel like they're the derived from the Western films, because they, they kind of started with that kind of, and you kind of recognize that straight away. Yeah. Western film, and I feel like they even interpreted using like these corny kind of sound effects, like a revolver kind of pinging, like a bullet pinging off a bucket or whatever makes that that recognizable oh, I, sound.
0: You know, as soon as you said that, I could hear that noise in my <laughs> yeah. head. You know, yeah. like it's such a it's, it's such a fake noise, but it, you, you know can, what it is.
2: Do you know what's funny is you can you can actually um, it actually does it sometimes in Red Dead 2 when you're when you're fighting you a gunfight you know you've got all these realistic sound effects it's more modern but every now and again you'll just be hiding behind a rock and you will hear that sound effect like and i, I don't know if they've just put it in for that nostalgia for that like sort of identifying it but maybe i don't know maybe it's an accurate representation of the type of weapons they used then as well and what it was like if it pinged off a rock i don't know maybe the they, that
0: they yeah just like the wilhelm scream is an accurate so representation it, of screaming in the 1950s <laughs>
2: So I think, well, maybe they just used it. They heard it once or something, and then they were like, "Perfect, that's accurate as hell." And they used every single bullet in all of the (laughs) Western films, you know. But but it might it might be completely accurate, or it might be like you say, just a corny, ridiculous sound effect that they think that sounds brilliant. (laughs) It's I,
0: I would put money on it being Foley. Like I I can't imagine like. You're right that it might it might be a real sound that a gun makes when striking a bucket, <laughs> 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 or a rock, or anything else in a Western film. But it, to me it, it's it reeks of uh, like sort of old timey foley, um, foley art. Yeah, yeah, you know. But I, I don't know. It's weird. You're right as well. Like Westerns did sort of introduce music as a way of sort of setting a mood for the
1: film, things yeah. like that. Yeah. And I'm, just, I'm like, could you guys think of like the last film in like the last ten years that used a uh, theme song?
2: <sighs> Any action films in particular? Yes, particular recognizable one. The only thing I can think of is Avengers.
0: Did it? I was just about to say, did the Marvel films
2: really have a theme song? Well, technically, but it's only for the introduction and sort of like during the type at the end, like the main last battle at the end game.
3: Mm. You know,
2: and but it, effectively it does have a recognizable tune but they have sort of it's subtle it's always subtle it's always like in the, the intro or in the trailers but it's never like full-on just playing out like when they're when they're running you know in all the action they just put generic sort of action background music in but like in said with james bond like you were saying you know as soon as something big happens you know it will have all that build-up music that generic build-up music and then as soon as he the bike goes off the cliff then it kicks in and then and then he lands and all the shooting starts and that's when actual theme music comes in you're like yeah i'm watching a james bond film yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so i don't think movies do that as well because they use they use it strategically they use the theme tune at the right points but you know so there will be some films in the last 10 years that do have recognizable theme tunes like marvel but they won't use it to that same effect and except they like i said i remember in endgame they use like a very small clip of it just think- before
0: TV Steve series do
2: Avengers Assemble. Sorry,
0: no, no. I was just think like TV series are a lot more inclined to use this because just by their nature, you know, they've got a theme song. Like um, the Game of Thrones theme song makes you instantly think of disappointment,
2: for example. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, they can still use that effect. Yeah, it. but the thing is, did they use that actually in the in any of the yeah episodes?
0: Yeah, quite quite heavily. It's it's used, and I think what you're sort of describing for the Marvel films, it is the same thing as how it was used in the episodes of the show. It's used as a leitmotif rather than, you know, just using that song itself where, mm. you know, another song will insert aspects of a theme song into it. The biggest example of it I can think of in Game of Thrones is at the end of season six, I want to say, where Cersei just blows up the cast because they oh, yeah. didn't want to paint them anymore.
2: Um <laughs> this cast is getting too expensive. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, you know, she you know, when she blows blows everyone up and it's all green and it's all very, oh my goodness. Um yeah. like the build of that's that's one of the most beautiful pieces of music in the entire series, actually. But it builds up and then it's got this sort of uh, as I say, it's got a lay motif of the Game of Thrones, you know, the da 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 do da nonsense mm-hmm. um as part of the song, but it's not just And then the Game of Thrones theme song kicks in. It's it's used cleverly within a different song. Um, And there's quite a few songs from the Game of Thrones soundtrack that do that. But again, like I think the last TV show that really did that at all was Lost. Lost actually had a really good soundtrack as well. But and I think the last film, just in answer to your question, that I can think of, action film that had its own distinct theme song was Pacific Rim.
1: Mm, I didn't think of Pacific Rim. Because I, I was gonna talk about how kind of Mission Impossible used a, a rock song which became kind of recognizable with them films and it's like went throughout the whole of Mission Impossible's That's another yeah. sort of
0: iconic thing though, isn't it? You hear those uh, those notes <laughs> played in that order and you immediately go, Now I know why you wanna hate me. You know
3: <laughs> Yeah.
2: I've, I've got a thought Here's two massive soundtracks like that are recognizable that aren't used anymore because they're probably too corny. Batman and Spider-Man. In the Chris Nolan trilogy and in the new Marvel Spider-Man in the one of Tobey Maguire trilogy, the Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield, they don't use the original soundtrack.
0: No, they don't, do and they?
2: They're iconic as well. They're absolutely iconic. But if you think about it, Batman is buying them out at like 40s and 50s, you know, sort of style. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine Chris Nolan using that. <laughs> yeah. well, it would be, that would be a great. take on it, wouldn't it? It, so. would, it? True to Chris Nolan's
0: style, though, like the volume on the theme song would change at random intervals and mm-hmm. it would be interspersed with the Inception horn. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Brahm. Yeah. I've seen someone I've seen someone make that on YouTube in uh, Pro Tools. No, no, it was in Logic. And uh, they're just like like here's how you make a Chris Nolan Brahm and it's or hands him a Brahm and it's like he keeps he's like add a French horn, br. Add another French horn, brr. <laughs> and he keeps adding to it and adding to it, and at the end it sounds like spot on to any Chris Nolan film. <laughs> uh, which is which is brilliant yeah it's the same as spider-man they don't use it and i can't even think they don't have one they haven't replaced it with a new one or try and modify it which maybe i don't know maybe they did not want to ruin it but they also haven't really got a recognizable soundtrack as you say like like the music in in dark knight trilogy is recognizable in its sense it you doesn't know, have something that's you I, know what else you don't see you
0: don't see soundtracks like sort of I can't think of the way to describe this, but like it, it's just making me think of uh, John Carpenter's films. Like my favorite film of all time is Big Trouble in Little China, and it's got such an '80s soundtrack, but it's so like brilliantly done, and it fits the film. And it was, you know, it's a soundtrack sort of fit to the film, just like any of these like sweeping orchestral, you know, Brahms are. Um, they're designed to fit the film, but it was a it. It was from a time when you didn't have a sweeping orchestral soundtrack to every punch. It was just a lot more fun, and you know, and you don't really see that kind of thing very often either. If a film's going to be a bit silly or a little bit different with its soundtrack, it's usually just going to be bringing in some hip hop artists, I guess, and you mm-hmm. know, like it's going to have like uh, well, songs from the nineties. Like I'm, I'm thinking of Deadpool when I think of a film that used a soundtrack to comedic effect. But yeah, you don't really see that kind of thing, like the John Carpenter-style soundtrack anymore. It's quite a shame, really.
1: Yeah. yeah. Another thing I was going to delve into, because obviously we're all gaming geeks, is how like, action films were interpreted and used in like, early gaming as well. And obviously in gaming, it was only, you could only do so much, especially like in the 80s, where you, you couldn't fill out this classic kind of game, Space Invaders, with this orchestral beast of, of music. Yeah, you had 8-bits so, to work with. Exactly. And I had a go at it, and I made an 8-bit version of a John Wick song, which I would see in an 80s game, like a Nintendo game. And also I made a version which you'd expect to see in the current present day in a film. And I'm going to play the 8-bit and just kind of get your opinions on it, because I think it's funny. I think it sounds hilarious. But these are, <laughs> it's funny because these are exactly the same song, though. Uh, just interpreted in a totally different way, but here, here's the eight-bit one that you'd expect in a in an old game. <laughs>
3: I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready to go save
0: the president and be an ninja.
1: But <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I could just imagine like, what was that old game? The Axe Game, Golden Axe. Golden Axe, yeah. Just imagine a little figure of John Wick going around using these kung fu moves with the cheesy, cheesy sound effect. Pooh, <laughs> pooh. <laughs> that sound in the background It would just be great.
2: I felt like I was I was playing um a a Game Boy version of John Wick. Uh, in 2d just jumping up and falling into spikes or something (laughs) just jumping jumping over bullets (laughs) um doing doing that and just doing constant karate shops (laughs) (laughs) that's what i felt like when i was um listening to that so yeah
1: (laughs) so yeah exactly the same song but uh what you would expect to this present day and i would probably expect to be used in a john wick film but yeah here we go Yeah, I just feel like that could have been yep. used for a theme song in John Wick. Like,
0: See, thanks. I'm ready to go and get some cybernetic implants and uh, <laughs> take, like, take down the.
2: Uh, oh god, I can't even think of the corporation's name from Cyberpunk 2077. Oh yeah, it felt like a bit like where he's. It's it's like you say. It's it's almost like an intro, like theme song. It would work, and then and then it would replay later halfway through the film, when he's walking through a club. So it sort of fits with like diegetic sort of sound and He's walking in the club and he's got like his hair combed back and his suit perfect, you know, <laughs> not scratch on him. He's just walking in, just like ready to take out his target. And it, it's funny because it it also sounded like something I would picture Agent Forty Seven and Hitman in yeah. in a trailer for as well. And it's meant to be very similar sort of themes and styles of game and film. So yeah, I, I can see that working. But you're you're right, like diff- different approaches give us a completely different perspective on what it would, what what it's been a soundtrack for. Yeah, I feel like
1: John Wick kind of should have used a the theme song. To be honest, I feel like it could have been like, especially for it's going on its fourth film in production now. It's mm-hmm. it, it. I feel like it should have had a recognisable theme to it.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm disappointed. It didn't um, definitely. I think it, I reckon it could have made a really good one. But I don't know. It, John Wick is is um the sound art. I've talked about this before with you. That the sound art in John Wick. It's very well thought out, but I don't know. They use a lot of recognizable soundtracks and actual songs in the films, and they've they've used it. I've I've noticed in part if you go on YouTube and look at the first John Wick film, and obviously for Josh when you first watch when you first watch John Wick, keep an eye out for when he's in a club in a DJ club, and it's really clever how they they morph diegetic and non diegetic music together. So for those that don't understand, diegetic music means that um. The, the characters can hear the music so if a character walks into a club and the dj's playing music you can tell that the music playing in the scene all the characters and all the people dancing to it you know they can actually hear that music or if a character turns a radio on and they can hear a song playing that's diegetic music i think that's the right way around something's I get mixed up um, non diegetic music is where it's like a a, a theme audience. so it's it's yeah so the audience it's music for ambience now they do it, an incredible thing, which I know a lot of films probably do it, but it's very noticeable in John Wick. He goes into a club, the DJ's playing his music, everyone's dancing, and he's sort of walking, he's playing some music to that. And uh, all of a sudden the guy sees him or he goes to get this guy, I think, I can't remember, I think he chases him through the, the club and the music's playing, it's like pumping and everyone's dancing and stuff and he's beating the shit out of these guys and shooting them in the middle of the club. And then while he's fighting his way through the crowd and knocking out these guys, um, and the music the dj music still playing he makes his way into another room and as you would expect the music fades out as he goes through the doors it fades quieter but from that it blends into and amplifies the music and t- goes from diegetic to non-diegetic but it's the same song it sort of blends in and it like it like picks up and everything it's like proper dance like rave music but you can tell none of that music is actually playing it's not like he's turned the dj speakers up and played them in the outside room it's very clever how it morphs out so he's listening to music and then all of a sudden then the actual f- action starts because he's just knocking people out a couple of people that's going for him he's chasing after this guy But as soon as he gets in the next room they all come out of assault rifles and everything the music proper pumps up and then when he beats the shower them kills them and goes out of the next back into the club it blends back into diegetic music so if they didn't do that all it would be would be it would be the club music it goes through the doors the doors close it's faded so you can it's very dulled down you can hardly hear it it'd just be normal fighting with no music or it'd be very quiet and then it would go back into the, the club but they amplified it in that room hmm. instead and made it from like i say non digest so then it's for the audience and it's it's absolutely brilliant if you look at it that way and think about it it's very clever and a lot of, like I say, a lot of, lo- listen Alfred, in other films, a lot of films do things like that. Well, um, funny
1: you say that because the first film that comes to my mind was Blade. Same. With the Bass <laughs> to the Place London. So,
2: yeah, so Blade
0: did that extensively, uh, what you're describing there. And it was usually with that song as well, Bass in the Place London.
1: <laughs> yeah. It did kind of set you off though, and you just thought, yeah, this. Oh, dang it. Every time, like just unstoppable right now. Uh,
0: every time I hear that song, I immediately pick up my sword and just start slicing <laughs> on folk left, right and centre. That's <laughs> why lockdowns like really reduced my kill count. <laughs> Speaking of kill counts, you were going to talk about Kung Fu sure. et al.
2: Martial arts. How can we not talk about martial arts in a John when we, our topic is John Wick? Yeah. I mean, as I said before, he's trained in three. I think he's a black belt in jujitsu. He's been doing it for a long time. He's been interested in martial arts since um, the Matrix. Obviously, going from Bill and Ted to the Matrix, and I and did a few things in between. But from his most iconic films, you know, he took a big step step up in his action career. And from then, he's always loved it. I know he studied a bit of Tai Chi because he's in a film called The Man of Tai Chi. And he's got like such a passion for it, so I had to talk about it. I love martial arts. I did taekwondo for a long time. With my dad. Question is, if you both, as far as I'm aware, both of you haven't done martial arts or haven't, if maybe you were, did when you were kids, if you could master any martial art, what would it be? I think I would actually choose tae- taekwondo. To be honest, I know I did karate as a kid.
1: <laughs> I think every kid kind of tries karate out, but never kind of pursued it in a more serious sense. But I did enjoy it. I think I would enjoy competitively doing Taekwondo.
3: Yeah. But there's so right. many
1: different... It, it kind of blends them in, I feel. I'm not an expert on uh, martial arts, but I feel like Taekwondo maybe blends in others as well. I know there's a couple that kind of use techniques from derived from other martial arts, so I feel like Taekwondo's quite... Uh, Wide variety of kind of techniques, which is
2: surprisingly not. It's well, I mean, it depends where you go. There's two versions of Taekwondo. You've got WTF and ITF, and ITF is International Taekwondo Federation, and WTF is World Taekwondo Federation. Now, it's one's official. You have to be WTF, I believe, to go in the Olympics. Um, and obviously, you can. It's practiced all over the world. It's what they're using South Korea, um. And if you got a black belt, then you'd get an approved certificate from the temple in of Taekwondo in from South Korea. Um, if you're ITF, you wouldn't. Um it's just a bit more of official, I believe. It's a different sort of form. It's approved by different boards of directors, I think. It's just a different practice. But um, all in all, it's still taekwondo. It's just different variations. Like you say, there's a different variation in different martial arts sometimes, they blend together. I practiced Kwan, which is the very first form of Taekwondo. It's it means class of uh, school of the blue wave. And it started in 1944 during the Second World War because it's actually originally a military fighting style. So, just like how I think the SES practice in Krav Maga or similar styles to it, where it's obviously a lot of knife and gun disarm and self defense and things like that, um, and more about killing your component than actually just trying to beat them up. <laughs> South uh, Korea, their army practiced in Taekwondo. As far as I'm like, well, that's, that's As far as I'm aware, Taekwondo was the very first variation of it, and that's what it started out as. It's a lot more offense than defense. It's very um. Let's put it this way. I don't know if you guys have watched Cobra Kai. It's actually a really good series, and it's obviously yeah. based karate and things like that you've got cobra kai which is obviously full-on attack What what's the best defense more offense you know that sort of attitude and then you've got like the miyagi doe which is a lot more peaceful and spiritual i always thought taekwondo was take on the two it is a lot more like cobra kai when it comes to the actual fighting it is full-on you know you're, you're you're kicking and punching hard it's predominantly kicking um and that's the sort of style it's supposed to be. You stand strong. You use your stomach as your your core energy, and you use your entire body strength to put into a punch. Instead of, you know, there is blocking defenses, and it, there is a lot of spirituality. And but it is a very aggressive sort of martial art. It's probably the mo- one of the most aggressive martial arts, um, except you know, excluding things like MMA and. <clears throat> like cage fighting and kickboxing and stuff, because obviously that is for competitive sport. You can do competitive sport for Taekwondo, but that's basically the gist of Taekwondo. I, I did it for a long time. My dad is a teacher. He's a third Dan. I only got to a senior grade. I didn't practice it commercially for long. Did as a kid, went back to it for a while. But sometimes it's it, it's hard to keep up with when there's not a lot of people. You're the same sort of age as yourself. Um, a lot of people do martial arts for fitness. A lot of people do it for sense of peace and to get away it's it's it's, it's a good sort of community There's friendly people that go to practice martial arts I can only speak for taekwondo from but look from externally to other sort of practices in karate and jujitsu and aikido they all seem to be the same sort of approach friendly and sort of just there you know as a collective it's just like a hobby it's rare yet like the cobra kai thing i love cobra kai it's, it's actually a really really good series but um it's very romanticized where you've got like loads of young students which are like there's like 10 of them 20 of them they're all like 17 18 it's not the case you know it's very rare you actually see teenagers doing martial arts they don't think it's cool or people don't they think it's a bit daft when you have to shout and do different kicks and things like that so it's it's uh you normally have kids or middle-aged people and then on the rare occasion you get people in their 20s but there's only like a handful of them so when you've got like the tournament in cobra kai or in the karate kid where there's like loads of young kids that are really big in a karate and all the all the class bullies and stuff are all in the karate it's it's a very 80s thing maybe they were back in the 80s but when they brought it back when they're younger and they've got like 20 kids all wanting to learn karate and they're all in this massive t- tournament and there's no pads. You can kick each other in the face and stuff like that and actually beat people up in the tournament. It wouldn't happen. There's always protective gear. It's really hard to actually land a, a good kick. Only professionals can really do it in the Olympics and in world tournaments. If you ever watch a Taekwondo tournament, they're very geared up and they, they're basically just strategically always trying to look for an opening to kick the head to get two points or to the, to the chest. Taekwondo... Yeah.
1: Imagine the viewer count that just took all the uh,
2: protective gear off, just made it a bit more interesting. Like, you didn't, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like When it comes to, when it comes to the real life, I mean, the opponent, the person that's doing the kicking can end up hurting themselves just as much as the person. Because, you know, kicking barefooted kicking someone on the... I know they, they, they have these special trainings, actually, that they can use when you're a black belt. But kicking someone on the head can still do damage to your foot. It's, you know... It, realistically. I think it's funny because in Cobra Kai, you've got all these kids and they're full-on jumping doing 360 kicks to people like kids' heads and then they're getting back up. Like, nah, if someone put all their weight spinning around and putting their force on their foot, if they didn't twist their ankle doing it, they probably would still break your jaw. You know, depending if they're 17 or 18, if they're putting the effort there that it looks like they're doing, it would still really, really hurt you and can permanently damage you. Martial arts should never be practiced to fight and to hurt each other. It should be for a a fun sport yeah you can get like these but you see on mma and stuff if they land the right punch they can knock these blokes out which are built like brick houses and they can just be knocked out easily because that's the reality of it i think when you when they romanticize it in film and tv you realize like look yeah okay kick in the head you can get back up whatever but realistically you know if you land the right punch or kick you can seriously hurt someone and yourself and it's, so it's it's funny to watch, but it's still enjoyable. I think that uh, that reminds me of a quote from
0: uh, I can't mind his name now. You know the you know the uh, I say the band, more the artists. You know the streets. Yes, I remember reading an interview with him years ago, and uh, it's one of, you know these weird little things that just sort of stick with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was reading an interview with him years ago, and he basically said like, "I don't think I can ever punch someone because." That might be the last thing that ever happens in that person's life, yeah. And the risk of like getting into a fight to both people involved just isn't actually worth it. And it's true, like, you know, like someone could take a punch and it can kill them. (laughs) Like, we're pretty fragile creatures, all in all. It's just sort of that's one of the things about like fighting in general. Like, reading that interview just put me off. The whole idea forever, which is quite nice. Thanks very much, Mike of the Streets. <laughs> but yeah, like just the idea that you know, taking a hit in a bad way can kill you or maim you to the point of no return. You know, it's uh, very off-putting when you actually think about like hurting another person.
1: Yeah, I think that's another reason people get into martial arts as well for the fear of uh, this type of thing happening, or from experience as well, like someone get mugged on the street or them personally, they're gonna probably wanna learn how to defend themselves maybe a bit, or my like, God, just the other route and just be like,
2: Well it's why I, uh, type of thing. why i got are the very feelings. heavily into <clears throat>
0: running as a child.
2: Well in 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 you know, from from day one you're always taught to, to to avoid fighting and it's not used for fighting to you know to beat people up. Even if you're attacked first, it's always we You learn as you get into a senior grade to do knife disarmament and even things like that, but they're just more for fun. Anything, if anyone comes at you a knife, a serious note, you're you're told to, you're taught to, you know, let yourself loose and to move in a certain way and then immediately run away. You know, you're taught a lot of it just for is an interest, as a hobby, but you'd never use them in real practice. Um, and a lot of the kicks as well a lot of the kicks that you learn when you kick into the head and it's just to, to strengthen yourself to make you more flexible make yourself fitter and healthier a lot of it's based on that none of it's based on like they expect you to go right if someone comes at you like this you're going to have you jump up turn around roundhouse kick them in the back of the head there's very very little people in this world that can actually perform like that and get away with it you know a lot of the time you'll just end up getting stabbed or shot or even hit the back of the head especially if there's a couple of them and even the people with that like seventh, eighth dance, they don't expect people to perform and they wouldn't in a situation like that, you know. If they're one-on-one with someone, it might be a bit different, you know, and they might be able to give them a cute couple of extra smacks in the back of the head just because they can, but they would never, you know, take it on with an arrogance and you're not expected to. 90% of the reason people go to martial arts is for fitness and health and interest. The last ten percent is a, bo- yeah. The last ten percent is the bonus of knowing that if you are attacked, you are a bit more, you're a bit more prepared in case something bad happens. You know how to step away. You know how to, you've got that muscle movement. If someone goes to punch you, you can quickly step out of the way and then run away instead of being hit off guard and then falling back hitting your head. You know, it's it's to avoid things like that. You're not expected so you- to fight back. You're expected to protect yourself and then leave the situation. You're telling me you didn't
1: once go in one of your jujitsu classes and go. I'm gonna be John Wick.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, Every morning he wakes up, looks in the
0: mirror,
2: and he's like, "Today." <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna walk into a jujitsu class as well and just look at like main guy and just be, and he'll be like, "Hi, can I help you?" And I'll be like, "You killed my dog."
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. So. And then just immediately get get kicked out. You know, so it's 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 not one of those it's it's like films romanticize it. I mean, drama is good because it's it's a bit more realistic in a sense, but it's not even trying to be spot on. It's meant to be fake, it's meant to be like this dystopia where hitmen exist and they're incredibly good. But at least the fighting is a bit more accurate, you know, about protecting yourself. But it's it doesn't make you infallible and invincible like the transporter or people fast and furious, you know.
3: Yeah, oh
2: man. You know I mean? Jason, Jason stay from You know, it's so it's um it's like I say, it's more interesting. I think it's I think it's a it's a really good thing to do. It's it's a healthy thing to do. And it's it's interesting. I love the fact is I loved as a kid that I could jump up and do a three sixty roundhouse and kick a pad out my dad's hand. You know, it was it was fun to mess around and to spar with my dad. You know, we used to you know, he used to teach us different techniques and and um, you practice your patterns together and it, you look all smart in your uniform and you're like in a unit and you are move in one and it's it's great and a lot of people get the wrong idea with the you know the shouting with martial arts everyone thinks it's like there's people actually training that will actually just go yeah yeah and you're like you know we're not we're not shouting to be cool <laughs> or angry you know to show dominance it's nothing to do with that it's the same as reason as people do it in tennis it's to release power it's literally releasing oxygen from your body and you'll, you can tell that when you think about it that way, you can tell you had two people, one doing it properly and one just showing. You'd be able to tell the difference easily. It's a lot more deeper, and <clears throat> it's just releasing energy from you, and that's all it's supposed to be. And When you do it, you can perform with more confidence. It's not just about hitting with more power. It's, it's also been able to punch through something or kick through something. It's a technique people that you need to learn and sort of embrace. People get feel awkward a bit. Daft about doing it, but it's it's just part of technique, and it's and you 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 learn to block it out when you first turn up to a martial art class and you hear everyone going yeah 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 You're like fuck sake what the fuck is this you know it's stupid but it's it's not what's about when you start going after it uh, time you start to understand it a bit better. Yeah. I genuinely didn't know that to be honest. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. of course, it's that's it's all it's meant. It. But a lot of people, even when they're learning it, it's really hard to 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 learn it. I only learn it because my dad taught me. And my dad's old school. He taught me a lot. Martial arts have become a lot more lenient because a lot of kids start. It used to be strict when I was a kid. You had to perform to be able to earn your belt. But nowadays, belts can just be given to kids or given to adults because they're paying to turn up. And then the parents would be like, "Why? Why is my kid? He's he's tried to get his blue belt three times and he still hasn't got it. And they'll just leave and they'll go somewhere else. So, and martial arts doesn't. It's not meant to be for profit. It's very rare people make it for profit. Especially Taekwondo it was it was like three fifty a lesson, and they don't make anything. They just they pay for their rent of their place. You know the, the the masters, the teachers, they all have their own full time jobs. It's a hobby and interest for them as well. It's not to make profit. I can't say that for every place, but that's always how I've learned it. It's more just a community. So that's the gist of it, anyway. Josh, what would, Josh, what, what would, you, do? What would you do if you if you could master martial art? What would you get into?
0: I really do, I really don't know um I don't know enough about martial arts um maybe like boxing or kickboxing like, yeah. All, yeah so I, I'm, like I'm saying that because I know more about western martial arts than Eastern martial arts but I've, I really I, I couldn't honestly say I would probably be more inclined to like pick up something like uh you know the Japanese kendo style of like sword fighting or something.
1: I was yeah.
0: just about to say that. <clears throat> just, you I know, to... I, I think that's got its own sort of uniqueness to it. Or something like fencing as well. I've always been kind of like, oh, fencing would be quite interesting. But yeah, I'm, I'm not going like, to lie. like Martial arts just doesn't... It's something that's never been an interest of mine. And there's a huge amount about martial arts that I don't know. So it was actually quite informative today. Just oh, wondering.
2: that's good. Yes. I think if I... Well, I mean, I'd love to do Taekwondo again, but... There's lots of things I'd be interested in trying. One of the things that interests me is Wing Chun, the the art of Ip Man. He taught Bruce Lee, and it's a it's a variation of. Or I say I, I think it's debatable if it's a, a variation of Kung Fu. Some people say it was, is, or isn't similar style. Or it's orientates from China. He practiced it during the Second World War, I think. If you watch the Ip Man films, they're great. You know, it's good good action. Donnie Yen. Performanism. Yeah. Um yeah. they're really good action but they are romanticized they are like you know typical oh, but a bit over the top in it parts a bit over the top you know but it's it's still it's still interesting and it's it's all about the the, the martial art and stuff and the practice of it and the movements you know like you can tell donnie yen is actually practiced in wing chong to make sure it's accurate they even pra- they even teach um in newcastle uh, uh, Wing Chun and the bloke I believe was actually taught by Ip Man or someone that was taught by Ip Man mm. so he's, he's he's actually orientated from it so this bloke Ip Man taught Bruce Lee and then Bruce Lee made his own variation into Ji Kondo and it's a lot more it's similar but it's a lot more offense a lot more like and I mean we know I had to mention Bruce Lee he is just one of the most brilliant men ever like the things he could do was
0: it's him. funny that you mentioned Bruce Lee because uh <laughs> You know, like, my personal interest in, like, doing a martial art or anything like that, and as I say, it's never really been there. But I could sit and watch an old martial arts film for days. You know, I, I love all of Bruce Lee's films. I grew up watching Jackie Chan. You know, and I think, like, yeah. even the more sort of outlandish stuff, uh, the main film that comes to mind when I say outlandish is uh, Couching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. You know, like, I just, I find that, like, I think watching martial arts, I watch uh, ta- taekwondo at the Olympics, for example, because I, I just think it's so unbelievable, basically, that people are capable of performing these things at such a level. It's, I mean, even as basic a level as like, you know, WWE, like you know, your wrestling and things like that, the, the, the ability of people to put their body through what certain martial arts require is absolutely insane to me. Yeah. Yeah. Why I'm always one of the people that's figures like you know WWE's well fake like they're still being hit by the chair, mate. <laughs> they, <laughs> I
2: mean, mean,
0: there's nothing I mean, fake about that. Like
2: yeah, for the size of them as well when they're like yeah massively ripped and they that's... jump do, do like they, they flip onto each other and stuff on a ring and it's, it's 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 impressive what they do and you can tell they train and work hard for people's entertainment and that and it's still impressive. You're right?
0: Yeah, I mean it. It's a very as the Western martial arts are very different to um, eastern martial arts from my understanding anyway and that as i say that understanding comes from watching rather than participating at any level but i don't know maybe i'm wrong on this but it feels like eastern martial arts are a lot more discipline oriented and a lot more sort of focused whereas western martial arts are a lot more grappling and you know for lack of a better way of putting it getting a little bit dirtier
2: yeah yeah definitely i think i think it's it's more Brawling, I think Western cultured, you know, boxing, kickboxing, but yeah, there's a lot of spirituality and peace and serenity within Eastern cultured martial arts, definitely. And I think that, yeah, I think um, it's it's one of the most important parts of it is that you're doing it for like this way of life. I mean, you can it's like you know how people like cycle, like, motorbike riders and stuff like that when they're a biker and they're part of the biker life, and when they ride past each other, they nod to the other bikers. Stuff I'm like yeah, you know, you're a biker. I'm a biker. It's similar to that. I think when you're all part of going to the same martial art club, or even just practice it. I've had it where I've met people at work when I used to work for spoons and it was a it was a front of house lad, and I was in the kitchen, and it just came on topic, and I was like, oh yeah, I was at Take One. And I was like, he's like, ah, oh, done Take One for years, and you have that conversation. Oh, do you do WTF, ITF? Oh, sweet, and. You can connect on that level and I think martial arts can bring a lot of people in the right way together. So, Or Cobra Kai in the wrong way. Yeah, or <laughs> Cobra Kai in the wrong way. But this is the thing, I was having this argument with Caitlin. I would probably be Cobra Kai because it's more my style. It's very similar to Taekwondo. But I would, I would want to be Miyagi Do because I want to, want to fight in vain and things like that. But I knowingly, I probably, if, if, if I went to either one of them, I'd probably be like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more Cobra Kai. I just wouldn't be a dick. <laughs> but it's a good philosophy
0: to have, actually. Just, you know, don't be a dick.
2: Don't be a dick. Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the lesson. That's the lesson.
0: <laughs> that's the takeaway. Uh, I mean, just one final thing to say as well um, about wrestling in the martial art of wrestling um, in 1998 The Undertaker did throw mankind off of Hell in a Cell so that's something to remember
3: yeah oh, fuck's sake.
0: <laughs> um, well I think that is pretty much all we've got time for today I will do a quick spin of the wheel to find out what our next topic is going to be though because hey. uh, that's always fun. So let me just click that randomised range. Oh, something a little bit drier next time, a little bit different. We're going to be next time we catch up with each other. We're going to be talking about Jean Paul Sartre. So um, get yourself on get get yourself on Wikipedia there, Sam. Because I'm pretty confident you don't know who that is. <laughs>
1: How do you spell that oh, last name? <laughs> good grief! <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll we'll
0: we'll we'll get that. We'll get to it. Don't worry. But yeah, thank you very much, lads. Informative, interesting, yeah. and I'm still I'm still in a smiley mood because I was talking about dogs. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's been the No Idea podcast. We'll be back next time with more. Well, maybe depending on whether or not Sam can find a good Wikipedia article. Uh, But next time, yeah, we'll be back talking about jean Paul Sartre. So until then, ciao for now.
2: Ciao for now. See you in a bit.